Welcome to Go Green Radio, brought to you by Covanta Energy. Reduce, reuse, recycle, rethink renewable energy and energy from waste. This program will help start you thinking about how to protect our world and its important resources. Now here's the host for Go Green Radio, Jill Buck. Welcome to Go Green Radio, everybody. I am so glad that you could tune in today. We've got a fun show and a cool guest that we're going to introduce to you today. Um, her name is Christy Legali, and she is the CEO and founder of a food company called Rebellious Foods, and that's spelled R-E-B-E-L-L-Y. O-U-S, Rebellious Foods, and you can find them um, out online if you just Google Rebellious Foods. Now, Christy has a really interesting story. I mean, her backstory is worthy of a whole show just in and of itself. She used to work for Boeing. Yeah, we're talking jet airplanes uh, as a mechanical engineer. And so at some point in the show, we're going to talk to her about her journey from working on jets to creating food. But in the meantime, let's talk about the company itself. So welcome to Go Green Radio, Christy. We are thrilled to have you on. Thank you so much for having me on. Well, I want to start at the beginning by having you tell us about your products. What are you guys making over there at Rebellious Foods? Yeah, Rebellious Foods is a It's a startup in West Seattle. We uh, really enjoy being in uh, the Seattle proper area where we get to kind of enjoy the vibrant life of Seattle. And right there in the center of the city, we are making plant-based chicken nuggets, patties, and tenders for both the food service market and very, very soon in the next week or so, we'll also have them available in the uh, grocery market as well. So um, they're tasty, they're wonderful, um, and they're juicy plant-based chicken, and we think the world is really going to enjoy them. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, just in talking about your products, because I'm looking at your website right now, they, they really do look mm-hmm. delicious. How do, you, how do you cook them? I mean, what's the process when somebody gets a hold of your raw product? What do they do with it to turn it into what I'm seeing on your website? Yeah, so they have a couple of options. Um, first of all, there's a difference between uh, products that go into the food service market, which is like products that are, we sell into restaurants, and then people who buy them from our grocery store. So if you buy them from the grocery store, you have a couple of options. You can, you know, deep fat fry them, but not a lot of people have deep fat fryers at home, but they are really good <laughs> when you do that. Um, and then um, you can also uh, bake them and put them in the oven and just bake them on a sheet pan without any oil, and they come back and come out of the oven, you know, crispy, juicy, and and really fantastic. And we worked really hard to make that sure that home experience was really fantastic. Mm, that's cool. Now, you know, we've we've heard a lot about some of the plant based meat substitutes that are, you know, really big into the beef industry. You know, um, everybody's heard of Beyond Meat, Impossible Foods, all of that. But you are kind of delving into the the chicken industry, and we know that you're David in this equation, but give us some idea of how big your Goliath is. How big is the chicken industry? Yeah, in the United States alone, um, the U.S. chicken industry is is roughly about 50 billion pounds of animal-based meat produced every year. So in the United States, the entire meat industry clocks in at, you know, in 2020, it was about 100, 106 billion pounds of animal-based meat. In 2021, it's projected to be about 107 billion pounds of animal meat. Um, and the chicken industry is about 40 to 50% of that. Um, so it is absolutely 
massive. Um, the meat industry is one of the biggest sectors of the U.S. food industry, and chicken being the largest segment of the meat industry makes it also one of the biggest segments of the meat, uh, pardon me, the food industry. So as a result, yes, chicken is our everyday go-to meat. And, um, and in order to really address the climate change, human health, and animal welfare issues with this industry, we feel like replacing it on a large scale is crucial. Um, unfortunately, uh, the the U.S. Um, U.S. plant based meat industry by volume only clocks in at you know roughly about a half a billion pounds, maybe creeping up towards one billion pounds in the next year or two. Um, but as you can imagine, one billion versus one hundred seven billion, um, it's it's essentially less than one percent of the U.S. meat industry is what we make in plant-based meat. So we definitely are a David versus a, a Goliath. <laughs> you sure are. You sure are. And that's, I mean. What an exciting challenge, though. You know, I mean, that's I, I admire your moxie because Thank I think you. That's, that's really cool. Now, you know, for people who, you know, haven't made this jump yet, you know, and, and for a long time, I didn't. I mean, I grew up as a carnivore. It took me many years to start, you know, with Meatless Monday. And then I, you know, started from there and, and kind of moved forward until I, you know, gave up meat altogether. But for people who are just not there on their journey, um, why should people consider eliminating chicken specifically from their diet, purely from a health perspective? Let's talk about that. Yeah, so regardless of what type of meat you're eating, all animal meat contains, it contains cholesterol, um, high levels of saturated fat, it um, and both of those are obviously things like cholesterol. You can just eliminate eliminate from your diet, and you're much better off. Um, and then, of course, saturated fat. Um, doctors and nutritionists are always telling us to reduce our saturated fat as much as possible. And as a result, you know, choosing a plant based versions of fat are are much better ways of getting um, nutrients from fat. So that's that's a really great way to do that is just to, you know, either reduce or eliminate your dependence on animal proteins. Um, but on top of that, chicken in particular is has a well-known problem of having to be raised with antibiotics and still only a small fraction of the U.S. chicken industry is raised antibiotic-free, certainly not the um, vast majority that are served in places like school lunch programs or your fast food restaurants, unless they specifically say otherwise. Um, but, you know, if people are looking for antibiotic-free chicken, which is an important public health issue um, with respect to making sure we don't uh, ruin our antibiotics by getting our bodies used to them and making antibiotic-resistant bacteria, um, you know, really, really eliminating the need for, um, you know, use of antibiotics in the chicken industry is is obviously a noble goal, but the vast majority of chicken produced in the U.S. is still used uh, made using antibiotics, um, and that, that puts us all at risk. So that's definitely a good reason. I mean, all those reasons are good, good for, you know, better for our health. So that's why when we look at plant-based meat, um, it provides for a obviously 100% cholesterol-free, 100% antibiotic-free um, uh, product where, you know, you can achieve those two goals and still enjoy what tastes and looks and, and performs just like chicken. That's awesome. And, and, you know, it's funny because I, I'm kind of a political and uh, environmental public policy nerd. And even though I live in California, 
Um, I watch what's going on in all parts of the country. And a lot of times I see there's a lot of lawsuits between upstate and downstate states in the Southeast over water and like the, what mm-hmm. comes downstream and, and yeah. states suing each other. And, you know, some of the, some of the issue really does go back to, to chickens. And, you know, I know that there is a substantial environmental impact that the chicken industry has. So, um, yeah. you know, talk to us about that. Yeah, so the chicken industry is plagued with environmental issues. I mean, not only is the production of chicken, like the production of meat in general, more environment, more, um, it essentially releases more greenhouse gases than their plant-based meat, uh, plant-based versions and plant-based meat counterparts. Um, and I think, you know, we're all kind of aware of the fact that um, meat in general, you know, reducing meat in your diet is a fantastic way to reduce greenhouse gas emissions for um, helping to mitigate the worst effects of climate change. However, the chicken industry has many, many more problems than that. Um, as you can imagine, when you raise some 90 billion chickens or so, uh, pardon me, 90 billion pounds of chicken or so for um, for meat, it is really, really difficult to you know deal with all of the waste that comes off of this industry. So at the chicken farm, you have issues where essentially you are um, you, you've got tons of litter waste. So that's things like um, you know essentially bird poop (laughs) and um, that dries out it gets in the air you get a lot of ammonia coming off of these farms if you're living near the farms you're getting you know essentially air pollution from the chicken farms themselves and that's obviously a really big problem both in the form of particulate matter pollution and in the form of ammonia pollution both of which we we know are not good for our health even in low amounts so um, that really it also, you know, causes a social justice issue um, because people who live around those areas are all constantly exposed to that. Um, but that's just the beginning of it. You know, in order to deal with all of the um, chicken litter um, that comes off of these farms, they often, you know, spray it on fields. It ends up running off into the into rivers. And that kind of nitrate mm-hmm. pollution is just really detrimental to downstream wildlife and water usage and things like that. So we there's just a lot of problems with respect to um, to the environmental impact. And and just one last one that not a lot of people realize, um, even though we produce you know billions of chickens every single year, and the number the actual number of individual chickens we produce in the United States every year is is creeping up from about eight to nine billion um, individual chickens. And as a result, um, a lot of those chickens actually don't uh, make it to the slaughterhouse. They die because the conditions are so bad on factory, um, industrial factory farms uh, where they're grown. The, the mortality of those animals ends up having to be composted in big, essentially, you know, kind of like chicken graveyards. Uh-huh. This puts off an enormous amount of methane, only adding to the greenhouse gas emission problem um, of raising chicken on top of that. Yeah. Well, that's gross. And we're, let's talk <laughs> about what's not gross. No, you know, and Christy, we go there. On Go Green Radio, yep. we go there. We want to know it. And so, you know, don't take my comment as anything but an underscore of how important what you said was. So we know Thank what's you. not in your nuggets. That's meat. But what is in your nuggets? Tell us about your ingredients. 
Yeah, so in our rebellious chicken nuggets, chicken patties and chicken tenders are made out of uh, wheat and soy protein. Um, and for those of you who have never encountered plant-based meat products before, the vast majority are made from either wheat or soy or a combination. Some are also made with pea protein or fava bean protein or things like that. Um, we focus specifically on wheat and soy because the vast majority of people can, you know, in, in still enjoy uh, wheat, um, and I know some people are gluten-free, so this is not the product for them, but um, those particular proteins provide a, uh, a kind of a complete protein. They provide a really great texture that's just like chicken, and obviously without the, you know, without the high levels of saturated fat and no cholesterol and antibiotics. So these proteins are extracted from soybeans. They're extracted from, um, and then of course wheat is, is a, gluten is the wheat protein of the wheat of plant. And so as a result, you know, making these combination essentially makes these products. And that's, that's, you know, it makes a really, really good product. And then we also use canola oil in our products um, in order to provide a low saturated fat um, product that still gets a wonderful, um, you know, juicy, you know, a meaty flavor and from, from a plant-based oil pro or plant-based oil. And that's, that's really valuable to customers. <laughs> well, you're making me hungry, Christy, and I can't wait for the day when I can, you know, Uber Eats or Grubhub Rebellious Foods. Um, we're going to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we have so much more to talk about with Christy. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Conservation starts with us. Learn about environmental concerns each week when you tune in to Our Wild World with host Ellie Weiss. Our show centers on Africa each week and what's being done to save our wildlife, ecology, and ourselves. However, we'll also discuss what's going on closer to home. And most importantly, we'll let you know what can be done in our own backyards by featuring guest experts and featuring your questions and answers. Listen every Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. 
Welcome back to Go Green Radio, everybody. I'm so glad that you joined us. And if you just tuned in, let me catch you up. Our guest today is Christy Lagali, and she is the CEO and founder of a company called Rebellious Foods. And you can find them online very easily. You can just Google Rebellious, but it's spelled R-E-B-E-L-L-Y-O-U-S. So check out their website as we speak with Christy. So Christy, in the last segment, we were talking about some of the ingredients that you use. We were talking about your chicken nuggets, strips, and patties. But talk to us a little bit about how your products differ from other plant-based meat substitutes. Yeah, this is a really great question because, you know, plant-based meat has a very long history, particularly in the United States. Um, We have been making commercial plant-based meat as an industry since about 1899, and it's changed a lot over the last 122 years. (laughs) Um, So we've seen a lot of different types of substitutes. In fact, interestingly enough, the very earliest plant-based meat substitutes were actually made from peanuts, and they were canned in cans and sold commercially as something called protose. Um, It was a very interesting product. Uh, It wasn't actually until the 1920s or so that we really started to see plant-based meats that were made out of soy. And then really the modern-day plant-based meats that we know today didn't really even make their debut until about the late 1960s, early 1970s. And obviously it's just gotten better and better from there. But I share that history because it's kind of important to understand that, you know, what you may have tried in the past is not necessarily what you what's available today because it's so much better. Um, so our plant-based meat products, and specifically our plant-based chicken nuggets, tenders, and patties, have a much higher quality, much better texture, much better flavor characteristics. They're juicy, which was always a problem with plant-based meat in the past because, you know, without that moisture content, you just, you're just kind of eating just dry protein like it's a, you know, a granola bar or something like that. <laughs> and that's no fun. That's not what you're looking for from your dinner. So, um, you know, part of the reason we continue to innovate on plant-based meat is because we know it can get better and better over its 120-year history. And now we're seeing amazing plant-based meats on the market. And ours, you know, is no different. But we're trying to really innovate over just what people have experienced in the past with a plant-based chicken nugget. Ours are more tender. They're juicier. I think they'll find the breading on the outside is just scrumptious. And making those changes over, above and beyond the current products in the market is, has been our, our main focus. And, and that's, that's really important because customers really need a lot of substitutes in order to replace meat on a large scale. And so we want to make sure that they are enjoying every minute of that. <laughs> Well, once again, my mouth is watering, Christy. That sounds amazing. The way you describe your products and the pictures that I've seen both on your website and on your social media, I mean, it's scrumptious is a good word. I mean, I, I, can, I can almost smell it at this point. So I know that, you know, your background is in mechanical engineering, and um, I know that you're doing some things with your manufacturing process um, that hopefully will make your products more affordable and therefore more accessible. So talk to us about how your manufacturing process differs from other companies and how that impacts your price point. Yeah, so that is the fundamental um, goal of our company is to make plant-based meat not only 
absolutely scrumptious, as I just said, but also is actually affordable to everybody. And it's actually the same price as animal-based chicken products. Um, this has been something that has really kind of eluded the plant-based meat world for as long as that 120-year history. And even up to today, we have better products, but we don't necessarily have more affordable products. And this is where it makes it very difficult for people like us people like your listeners who really care about the environment, the human health and animal welfare, it really makes it difficult to say, oh, I want to do this, but I have to pay more money if I'm going to get a replacement, a one-to-one replacement for a Tuesday night dinner. And that's where we are really stepping in, and this is where we, we founded the company on the principle that we have to address the cost problem of making plant-based meat. And it can't be by making not as good plant-based meat, because that doesn't help anybody. <laughs> we wanted to make better higher volume, and low, at a lower cost plant-based meat so it was truly affordable. The way that we do this is we are, we are actually a part of our company is entirely dedicated to developing, testing, and deploying new, brand new, like creatively new production equipment that replaces a lot of the kind of handmade process of making plant-based meat. This is what's called dough making. And, um, and plant-based meat, uh, when you make it, it's a lot like making bread. In fact, it's exactly like making bread. You're pulling together proteins and gluten and uh, starches and flavors and bringing it together as if you were making bread. And right now, whether you're uh, a big company like Impossible or Beyond or a small company like ours, most of that process is quite manual. So what we're doing at Rebellious is designing automated and high-throughput continuous production of plant-based meat to dramatically lower the cost of plant-based chicken products and make it possible so everybody will enjoy them. And at the same time, that same better automated processing makes for a highly high-quality, consistent product so you know that every time you get our products, you're going to get the same product over and over again, which has also been a problem in scaling plant-based meat. So we, we really want to change the, the perception that plant-based meat is you know going to be good one time and then the next time you try it, maybe not so good because that has been the experience in the past and it doesn't need to be that way if you're manufacturing these products correctly. So we run a food production facility that essentially makes our products but also is the, the living laboratory for better ways of making plant-based meat at higher quality. That's so cool, Christy. I mean, that's innovative on so many levels and I'm sure... Um, you know, that you're, you're only at the beginning. And I, I'm excited to see what you do with this technology. Um, talk to us about your ability to create custom products. I saw a photo recently of a really delicious looking, quote unquote, chicken sandwich on your company Twitter feed. Talk to us about your ability to customize. Yeah, so this is one of the things that we kind of do behind the scenes. Um, we we always uh, we're so excited about releasing our um, retail products. Um, you know, late next week, early the following week. 
But behind the scenes, we also do custom products for places like restaurants or for um, for uh, essentially customers that may may not have a perfect fit for the products that we have right now. Maybe because they need a different form of chicken, because chicken comes in a lot of different uh, processed chicken products mm-hmm. come in a lot of different forms. Like it comes in pieces, like popcorn chicken or stir fried chicken or chicken nuggets or chicken tenders and patties or whatever. So as a result, um, we actually do create like custom products um, for restaurants that we have a relationship with, and that allows us to essentially, um, essentially replace meat in a different form, say for a stir-fry product or um, for popcorn chicken for a salad. Um, and that's, that's a really important thing in order to understand how we kind of address the mission portion of what we're trying to do. We want to replace uh, chicken on a large scale, so we have to make sure that we're offering these products in all the different ways that chicken is offered to the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we've got all, you know, five or six different um, forms of chicken in the grocery store, we want to make sure we replace all of those, and, and that's crucial. One of the things that we did to really sure up our company as a, as a true competitor in the market is by owning and operating our own production facility. So our pilot facility in West Seattle can actually make all the products we would ever want. Um, wow. It can make everything from a chicken nugget to a popcorn chicken, a tempura chicken. Um, all of those things are possibilities, and that, and that is what makes us truly unique is that ability to be flexible and to, to do what we need to do on the fly with almost very you know, not that much lead time, which is yeah. really fun. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge competitive edge because you're talking about being nimble and responsive and that's how you win. That's how you win in, in the marketplace. So I, that's, that's incredible. There's a lot of foresight uh, in your operations uh, that I think will make you guys very successful. Now, I know that a lot of your customers right now are in the food service industry. So I'd love for you to give us a, two or three examples of the types of institutions that are using your products and and what their feedback has been. Yeah, so, you know, our original mission at Rebellious was to serve the food service market and specifically the um, institutional food service, which means schools, hospitals, universities, dormitories, cafeterias, places where people eat a lot of chicken nuggets, tenders, and patties, um, but they don't necessarily just buy them, you know, in a package or something like that. They're buying them, you know, at a cafeteria or something like that. Um, This is really important to us for two reasons. First, it's kind of a moral imperative that we replace um, chicken nuggets at schools. And this is actually a separate product that we have available that obviously because schools are closed, we're not selling a lot of right now, but we offer a national school lunch program, uh, sort of a uh, uh, compliant plant-based chicken nugget that is amazing. And we are so excited to get it out to schools when they open back up after the pandemic is really starting to die down, hopefully very soon. And, and this is, like I said, it's a moral imperative that we get the antibiotics out of our food. And this is a really cost-effective way of doing that and providing children with a um, plant-based version of meat that they can enjoy just as much as their typical chicken nuggets but not be exposed to the antibiotics, the cholesterol, the high saturated fat. So that really means a lot to us because, like I said, it really is a moral imperative to offer children, no matter what their economic uh, area is, um, mm-hmm. to be able to offer these, these products. So that's important to us. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I know that you also have some healthcare institutions that are customers as well. 
That's right. Um, hospitals have been some of our earliest customers because they care about these issues too, especially from yeah. the health perspective. If you're if you're running a cardiac care unit, you really really want your uh, your patients. <laughs> not to be eating cholesterol and high levels That's of saturated right. fat, and yet they may not want to be able to or may not be able to change their diet just from a personal perspective. And so offering plant-based versions of, you know, higher saturated fat meats, uh, you know, foods like chicken um, is a really important, it's a, it's a really important mission for them. But obviously, no one wants to feel like their food is, quote, hospital food. And so you wouldn't believe how hospitals have changed their menus in order to offer really, really high-quality products now, like rebellious products, impossible, you know, burgers, things like that, that have, have changed the perception of what hospital food is. But I now we can really live our values for essentially offering healthier food. That's right. Well, we're going to take a quick commercial break, but we have so much more to talk about. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio, everybody. So glad that you could tune in and really excited to have our guest today, Christy Legali, the founder and CEO of Rebellious Foods. You can find their website very easily at rebellious.com. And rebellious is spelled R-E-B-E-L-L-Y. 
O-U-S. So check them out online. Uh, they've also got stuff up on Facebook and Twitter. So check them out. Um, so we've been talking about some of the places where people can get rebellious foods. And, and we were talking about some of the institutional food service options that you have in play. But are there retail stores where people can buy rebellious products? Yes. So during the beginning of the pandemic, we decided to pivot our products from just food service into the retail market and just had to do a a limited time offer with some of our food service products and packaging them up and selling them into local area grocery stores. So at the early days, we did a kind of an early limited time, um, limited time offer of the rebellious, the classic rebellious nuggets that we once sold to, to food service. And those are out, um, those are in about 15 to 20 stores in Washington, California, uh, Washington and Oregon mostly. I believe there was one store in California. Um, but those have since sunsetted even just a few days ago. And next week, we will be launching the re- new Rebellious Nugget, the Rebellious Tender, and the Rebellious Patty in local area grocery stores and also down into Washington and hopefully into California, or pardon me, down into Oregon and down, hopefully down into California. So in the Seattle area, people can find them at um, essentially local area grocery stores that are kind of more like mom and pop grocery stores, mm-hmm. um, Seattle Thriftways, which is a, multi, uh, a multi-location area store area in this area. Um, and then over the next few months, we will be start getting it into more and more grocery stores. Um, we will be announcing um, some places where you can get it online for home delivery. And all of those, essentially through a you know an online grocery service, all of those options will just be coming in the next you know just watch it for the next few weeks, <laughs> um, because this is this is the time when we're launching it, and it's such an exciting time because I mean it doesn't happen very often when you get to launch a new product and go into grocery for, you know, essentially the first time. You know, we did it once before, but it was on a small scale during a, a massive pandemic. Uh, yeah. We're obviously doing it again in a pandemic, but um, but this is this is the start of something big. So we're pretty excited about that. And you can well, go to our website to find all store near you. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, congrats, Christy. That's amazing. You know, uh, these days, especially our listeners for Go Green Radio, you know, we've been at this for a while, since 2008. So we've got some folks who've been with us for quite a while. And we like to get to know the companies that we support. We like to have some idea of who they are, what they stand for. Um, and so I'd like to pivot to some questions about your company, Rebellious Foods. Um, when did you start the company? And where do you see the company in five years? Yeah, so I started the company essentially in 2017, although we didn't really get started in operations until 2018. Um, Like many venture-supported or venture-capital-supported startups, I had to raise money, and I first started doing that in late 2017 and eventually did get the funding around Christmas time that year and um, actually pulled in a little bit more funding in 2018 to really start getting going. Um, it was kind of uh, mid to early 2018, uh, pardon me, uh, 2018, that we were accepted into the Y Combinator program. And for those of you familiar with uh, the startup venture world, that's mm-hmm. one, of the, uh, one of the accelerators that launched big companies like Airbnb and other really, really exciting companies that have made amazing returns in the world and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and for investors. 
So going through the Y Combinator program was particularly interesting, especially as a food company. You know, they had often done software, but um, we did get to learn a lot about being a startup, about running a good startup, about, um, you know, being a technology company, um, mm-hmm. which is, is what we're doing with the equipment design, development, and deployment that we do. So um, 2018 was pivotal for us as we really established ourselves as a new company. We started really hiring people. Um, in mid to t- mid to late 2018, and um, by 2019 we were rocking on all cylinders with product mm-hmm. out in the market, and um, and then 2019 was an exciting year as we got into more and more um, institutional food service locations. Which, mm-hmm. as everybody knows, the story beyond that is <laughs> um, we actually in 2019 actually got a got into our first large facility in October of 2019, and now that's the facility that we call our headquarters. And then we've really started ramping up production for all of our food service customers when the pandemic hit. And um, that was when we we really had to kind of take a pause and say, oh, my goodness, we we need to pivot what we're doing and go into a different market. So (laughs) that was kind of a rapid-fire history. Um, about where we've been. I can tell you more about where we're going. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, You know, and and I think one of the things I'm really curious about, because a lot of our listeners um, who are either entering the job market, you know, right out of college, or or some people who've been in the job market a little while, but but just don't know how to get a green job, they're always wondering, how does that happen? And since you have some job openings uh, up on your website, I'd love for you to talk to us about that process and what you are looking for in particular. Yeah, so we have six job openings right now. We're a team of 26 people and we're, you know, we'll be 30 some very soon. Um, Hopefully if we just find the right people, it's, and that's really important. You know, the first, the first step in getting a green job is really showing that you are interested in making a difference in the world. And I think that I think that kind of comes naturally to people who care about these issues that, you know, we want to make, we want to address climate change. We want to address human, you know, massive human health issues, public health issues, Mm -hmm. you know, pandemic prevention is an important issue that's all come front and center to our minds. And then of course, animal welfare issues for those people who feel deeply for the suffering of animals. And so, you know, these green jobs are out there, but for companies like ours, we have to know that you care about those issues because Working in a startup is hard, and the motivation has to come from within, and the the happiness has to come from within. And so if you can bring that passion to what you want to do with your career, that is extremely helpful in helping us understand why you're a good fit for a job at Rebellious. So one of the biggest mistakes people make is um, when they apply for a job at Rebellious is not send a cover letter and tell us why you're interested. (laughs) And we're just like, I have no idea what this person's motivation is. Uh Um, And so I really encourage people to tell us their story. Like, I'm, you know, I care about this issue because of what, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, And so, you know, making sure people share who they are and what they're doing and why they're passionate about it is is really the answer to the question, how do you get a green job? Well, share that passion of why it matters to you so that employers can know that when you get on board, 
you know, that motivate, you're bringing motivation and value to the company or to the nonprofit and not, and not that you um, are, you know, essentially taking from it. It's, it's all about uh-huh. contributing to that effort. That is a great perspective, Christy. And honestly, that's the first, I ask a similar question of a lot of my guests. And that was the first time somebody has given us that pearl of wisdom. So thank you for that. That was really, really valuable. You know, in your sure. own journey, I want to I, I want to get to know you a little bit better because, as I alluded to earlier in the show, you know, you used to work for Boeing as a mechanical engineer. You were working on jets. Tell us about your own personal career journey from from doing that kind of work to starting a food company. Yeah, thank you for asking that because it does seem sometimes like a little bit of a, a big shift. Um, and it, it definitely was a big shift, but um, from my perspective, maybe not as big as it seems to other people. Um, <laughs> you're absolutely right. I was trained. Um, I went to school. I actually went back to school. I, I actually got my first degree in um, organizational psychology when I got out of high school. In fact, actually, before I went to and got my psychology degree, I actually went to cooking school for a short time and realized oh. I was really, really bad at cooking. <laughs> and I was like, okay, so I should not be a chef. That, that was like, that was a lost cause. <laughs> so, uh, so I went on and got a degree in organizational psychology. I was like, this is good, but I don't really know what to do with this. And I was like, I really wish I could do something more technical. So I went to night school for six years to get my um, my second bachelor's degree while I worked full time, which was a little bit insane. But um, I really cared about like actually, you know, really ramping up my skills. And then I even did the same thing when I went to graduate school, working most of the time while I went to graduate school and, and really trying to, you know, just increase my skill set more and more every single year. Um, And then all the time I had been working for aerospace companies, you know, in one job or another, um, you know, even even if I answered the phones in the early days and then in the later days Mm -hmm. when I had more engineering skills, I became an engineer. And so, you know, I really kind of, you know, when you when you are passionate about something, whether it be aerospace aerospace engineering or other things, you know, you kind of find a way, you know, and Mm -hmm. that's that's kind of what I did all, all the way, even if it meant going to night school or Saturday, you know, Saturday, you know, day school or community college or whatever it took. So, um, you know, after I worked in the aerospace industry for quite a few years, um, and, and actually I think I worked as an engineer for probably 15 years, I was just like, I love this, but I'm also spending all of my free time doing advocacy for the social issues that I care about, and I'm exhausted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I was just like, I really want to figure out a way to use my skill set um, for not just the aerospace I love technically, but also for address the social issues. And one of those social issues that I spent a lot of time volunteering on was with the Humane Society of the United States. Uh, the yes. State Council and District Leader Program was a big starting point for me, and those programs allowed me to get in touch with people like Chrissy Middleton, who now works at our company, Josh Bulk, who I know you've had on your show before. Mm-hmm. And they really inspired me to um, to start a company that addressed the cost problem of making plant-based meat. And being that I happen to have the skills to do that as a manufacturing and mechanical engineer, um, I started a company around the technical problems with manufacturing plant-based meat. And so even though I was an engineer before, I, I still kind 
kind of work as an engineer now in that I'm running an engineering company um, as well as a you know production and manufacturing company. So, so that's kind of how it all kind of came together. Um, and obviously, lots of baby steps in the meantime in the in the midst of making that jump. Um, but that was one of the big motivations for me because I care deeply about animals and and what we do to them, and of course the environmental impact and all of the other social mm-hmm. justice issues surrounding the meat industry are, are big motivators for me. What a great story, Christy. You are so inspiring. And uh, th- I mean, that, that's really a case study in, in leadership and, and in hard work. Um, ah, I love it. I love talking to entrepreneurs like you. You are amazing. We're going to take a quick break, but we've got so much more to talk about. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio, everybody. So glad that you could join us. And I have to say, after that last segment and hearing Christy Legali's story, I have a new Shiro, and I bet you do too. Uh, what a great story about how she went from, um, you know, working at, in the aerospace industry to starting a revolutionary and rebellious uh, new food company. You got to check them out, guys. Their website is rebellious.com, R-E-B-E-L-L-Y-O-U-S.com. They're also on social media, so check them out. Um, you know, Christy, I, I I can't help but think that, you know, there's some timing issues, you know, going on with trying to, to create a startup and, you know, also targeting, you know, the food service industry, particularly schools, and then a pandemic hits. How has the pandemic impacted Rebellious Foods? Yes, the, the pandemic, which obviously was devastating for each of us individually and and to the tragic impact it's had on so many families including members of our own company is has definitely made a change in our company, maybe even for the good. Um, it First of all, obviously, we lost all of our customers almost overnight because we were selling to schools and hospitals with cafeterias and corporate cafeterias and dormitories, all of which got shut down. Mm-hmm. So we quickly had to pivot into a new market, which is the retail market. And that process is what really led us to now, in the next couple of weeks, releasing our new CBG products into the world. 
world. So it was a really, really hard pivot. And obviously, the pandemic was really hard from the perspective of working in person and running a in-person manufacturing because we had to find a way to keep our all of our team members safe. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it was it was a lesson in understanding how versatile and um, how, how versatile and flexible people can be when they really know that they want to succeed in in addressing a major social issue like climate change and human health and animal welfare. Because the pandemic um, really showed the world that when we disregard the impacts of essentially meat on the environment, um, we will see it come back around. As, as most people know, the, the best understanding of the emergence of this coronavirus, the COVID-2, is, was in a meat, um, a meat market in China where as viruses were transmitted from one animal, believing a bat to a you know, subsidiary host that ended up um, transferring to humans. This is not necessarily an unusual situation, unfortunately, a dire consequences this time, but it's not like it hasn't happened before, happened in you know in 1918 through 1920 with the with the quote the so-called Spanish flu which mm-hmm. um, you know the the original origins were believed to be in chicken farming mm-hmm. and unfortunately massive chicken farming is known to be one of the greatest risks for the next global pandemic we even see bird flu outbreaks mm-hmm. um, all the time across the world and even just yesterday one of the biggest headlines in in um, in Asia is actually a huge bird flu outbreak and these just mm-hmm. pose enormous risk to all of us because um, even so some bird flu doesn't necessarily translate to humans it can easily mutate and that's that's very very dangerous when it does, as we've seen it happen before with mm-hmm. highly pathogenic bird flu. Um, you know, running into this opportunity to get um, into infect humans. So, it's not something to be alarmist about, but it does really address the issue that we need to address climate. Or, pardon me, we need to address large scale animal agriculture on a you know on a really effective scale, not one billion pounds, but closer to that hundred and seven billion pounds we spoke to about at the top of the hour. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, you know. I am sure that you've got a a target list of companies or people that you'd really like to partner with so that you can continue to grow, continue to do the good work of Rebellious Foods in 2021. And and just in case they're listening, Christy, what would you, who are they and what would you like to say that would make them just pick up the phone right now and call you? We want to partner with chicken companies. And I'll tell you why. (laughs) I did not expect you to say that. That's awesome. (laughs) Tell us why. (laughs) Because we know that change is hard. And if you are, if we are facing another global pandemic, God forbid, but if we are Mm -hmm. facing that because of large chicken, um, chicken, the, the large chicken industry and all of the other impacts that we talked about, we know that the ability to convert our economy, our chicken economy, to a more plant-based version means that our new equipment could be inserted into a chicken processing facility that's currently making animal-based chicken and convert it to a plant-based chicken uh, processing Mm. facility. That would allow us to really amplify the work that we're doing at Rebellious and it would be economically viable and in fact economically beneficial to all the people who are working at those chicken processing facilities. They get to keep their jobs 
and the yes. chicken company gets to make even more, you know, funds and profit off of selling plant-based versions rather than animal-based versions. They keep to get that factory gets to stay open. And so that's one of the things that we're proud of um, at Rebellious, that our new technology will make it pro- possible to convert chicken processing facilities into plant-based meat production facilities for better working conditions, better margins, all sorts of better economic opportunities. And, you know, we address the climate change, environmental, human health, and animal welfare issues of the chicken industry. So those are the people I love to hear from. And I've got a, quite a few friends in the chicken industry already. But anytime you want to give us a call, we're always happy to chat. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. And what a collaborative way to address the problem. Um, I love that. Thank That's you. so great, Christy. Yeah. So based on your research, how large do you think the, the market is for for plant-based meats right now, and and what do trends show us that it's going to be in the foreseeable future? Well, how much demand is out there? Yeah, so demand, global demand um, for plant-based meat is expected to reach about eighty-five billion dollars globally by twenty thirty. Um, unfortunately. If you continue to grow the plant-based meat market at the incredible rate it is going right now, we only reach one quarter of that size by 2030. Mm -hmm. And that's another reason why our new technology, making plant-based meat faster, better, and cheaper, allows us to actually break past that ceiling of only a quarter of the demand met by current methods of making plant-based meat. It actually allows us to meet that whole demand. And this is something that I I really uh, feel like is kind of like a red flag for the industry, because if we've got $85 billion of demand and we're only meeting about, we're only expected to meet about $20 billion, we're just leaving all of that, you know, that opportunity, that economic opportunity on the table. And that's where, you know, sitting down and being able to do the technological advances necessary in order to advance the overall production of plant-based meat is so important, um, because... There's no point in not doing this work. We have to find a way to address um, that demand because otherwise it's just sitting there. We've got all these people who want plant-based meat and we're not being able to fill their need and all of the good intentions that they have because they're trying to reduce their meat consumption. So it's mm-hmm. kind of a it's kind of a tragedy not to do what we're doing. So obviously we feel a lot of motivation to address this issue. We know that plant-based meat is not that scalable and we are making it a scalable technology, a scalable product to really meet the demand and all the great intentions people have to reduce their meat consumption. Christy, I feel like after our listeners have have listened to this interview, they're going to want to support Rebellious Foods and not just, you know, check out your website a couple times a month and watch you grow, but do something else (laughs) to help you, to support (laughs) you, to, to, to be part of the cause. What are some of the things that they can do? Yeah, so two things they can do right now. One, if you're in the Seattle area, go out, check our products, um, get them at the the restaurants that they um, are being sold at right now, share them on social media. The second thing they can do is check out our jobs. Um, as we talked about earlier, we've got a lot of jobs available right now, and I and I this you know this is a tough time for for job seekers, mm-hmm. and so I would love it if people could share our job opportunities. Um, we've got positions for engineers. For, um, for production technicians, which is a super fun job. I, one I personally enjoy doing. I'm always out there, you know, helping out the technicians mm-hmm. to, 
um, because I enjoy doing that so much between my mm-hmm. email stints. <laughs> and I really, we have a lot of really interesting jobs from HR professional to um, new sales positions. And especially, I believe we have three engineering positions open right now um, for awesome, creative Christy. designers. So, that is yeah. so amazing. And so everybody get out on rebellious.com, check it out, support this company. Christy, thanks for joining us. And thanks to all of our listeners for joining us today. We're going to be here same time, same place next week with more Go Green Radio. So until then, have a wonderful week and do something in your life to go green. Did you get some terrific ideas from today's show? Please join us for more next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. It's Go Green Radio with Jill Buck here on Voice America. Go Green Radio is proudly sponsored by Covanta Energy, a leader in providing renewable energy solutions for a cleaner world. Visit www.covantaenergy.com for more information. We'll see you here next week.